Hi, I'm Alexander Carpenter, editor of Spectrum, and I'm in the middle of writing an obituary uh, for Fritz Guy. My team completed the obituary for Ronald Numbers last night, and it's on the website. These are difficult times for folks in the Spectrum community. Both men really began their intellectual journey in and around Adventism before the founding of the Association of Adventist Forums, and both of them were part of it from the beginning, contributing their great ideas. And uh, those continued in and around our community. And so I reached out to Larry Garrity, President Emeritus of La Sierra University and a fellow traveler with them and and so many listening here. He uh, provides some uh, helpful context, some great anecdotes, and um, some really profound reflection on what both men contributed to the Adventist community and to many of us individually at various points in our journey. And uh, this is a tough time for many of us who have read their work, met them at conferences, had them as professors, um, benefited from their willingness to push the boundaries of knowledge uh, fearlessly, and also construct communities, whether inside of Adventism or outside, they were generous in their willingness to uh, share their gifts with others. And so I see both of them as great models for us in many ways. And I would love to hear from you if you had them as a teacher, if you read their works and they changed something about your relationship with reality, if you ran into them at conferences or at church. I'd love to hear your anecdote and We're going to be putting up a tribute page to share some of these, and uh, you can always share those in the website comments as well. It's times like these that we really see the value of community, and so if uh, you are uh, reflecting on them with a bit of sadness, uh, know that your emotions are shared, and uh, together we press on. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Yes, I knew, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Have these two people within 24 hours, you know, leave us is... uh, is a sad, sad thing. And what about these two in particular, leaving us so close together uh, elicits that uh, feeling? Well, you know, they they were both, I, w- I would say, really good friends of mine. And my whole professional career has, uh, has uh, involved issues that both were involved with and uh, um, I've done done many things with with both of them you know and considered them both 
good friends. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of like to explore a couple of those key moments, but you, I, I'm not sure I have them all. Uh, <laughs> I thought maybe it would be interesting to explore the transition from Fritz Guy as president of La Sierra to you, um, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's, a, I think, a really important point in history and getting your reflections on that would mm -hmm. be interesting if you're willing to. Yeah. And then uh, on... Uh, he, from I haven't double checked this, but I, he was involved with the fundamental beliefs writing. I think a secretary yeah. on that committee was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Sure, glad to. Yeah. And then with um, uh, Ron, um, I thought if you would just talk a little bit about what it was like to be a scholar in the context of that book coming mm -hmm. out in mm -hmm. 1976. Mm -hmm. And then could you talk a little bit about uh, his connections to the Adventist forum? Um, you know, did was, he, uh, he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Berkeley at the time that it was beginning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he graduated there, or finished his PhD in '69. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That would have been a key time. I had I had more to do with Fritz. You know, we were our lives were more closely engaged. Although uh, with Ron, it started with a forum because I was at Harvard when he was at Berkeley. And so we were both involved in, you know, getting getting things going with, with Forum. Um, and then he came to uh, teach at Andrews briefly bef before I got got to Andrews. So I th he left about the time that, that I was arriving. But because he was, well, one of the reasons that I knew him was because of my close friendship with Roy and they were cousins. And so, you know, Roy was always talking about, about Ron. And um, uh, so Ron very kindly reached out uh, to me for various uh, things that he was doing. And so I, uh, conferences that he put on, on science and, and religion, uh, I was uh, involved in helping him as a re responder and as an organizer and uh, he asked me to critique um, one of the professors who had invited to to give a lecture and so on um, and so he he was very generous in involving me in some of the projects that he was uh, involved in when he first went to um, to Wisconsin and then then um, then of course with with uh, Spectrum. I continued to be um, involved with uh, back and forth with him as he made contributions and uh, issues arose and so forth. Um, and it, it, we had a mutual friend in Vern Carner. And so the, the last time that I had a good visit with him was at the uh, memorial service for Vern's uh, wife. And um, he uh, he and Audrey came from from Madison to attend that, and so over the course of that day, we sort of got caught up, you know, on on a number of issues and so on. And um, 
and because I in regular touch with with uh, um, with Butler, um, and they are so good friends, such good friends that I've sort of kept up, you know, recently with what's been going on in his life and how things have progressed. And having met Audrey uh, at Burns' wife's service, um, I've had that uh, connection with him as well. So uh, really through the whole course of Ron's life, we have been good friends and uh, occasionally uh, communicated. So often it's been through Roy or, uh, you know, through John or somebody like that. Did you ever kind of interact with him? I've, you know, I've heard you've had a kind of wicked sense of humor. Uh, Did you ever interact with him where he, you know, express that um or you know maybe on another note also when he was you know kind of tragically in the interview that we posted he kind of talks about he was sort of going through a tough time in his life early you know in his time in wisconsin and he went to a local adventist church and the denominations, you know, heard about it and sent someone else, someone out to warn the church members away from him. So here he was sort of searching for Adventist community and he was ostracized. Yeah, I, I, uh, I know that story and I don't remember whether I heard it directly from him or, or from others, but I know I was profoundly disappointed in the church at that time. I thought here of all times, when you would want to reach out and uh, maintain a friendship, the church is shunning somebody who, you know, is important. Um, Where his his wicked humor was on full display was when he uh, was one of the speakers at Roy Branson's memorial service at Loma University Church. I think you were there. Uh, And I was amazed at how Frank he was and how he was willing to share quite openly uh, stories about their mutual family and some of the things that have occurred and so forth. So uh, uh, he uh, uh, that 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 needs to be published sometime that that interview. Yeah, I should go find that footage and put it on the website at some point. Right, definitely. That's something that needs preservation uh, because it has so much, so much family history. Uh, you know, going back to W. H. Branson and his presidency, and then um, his son, who is Roy's father, and the relationship with with his own dad, who you know was a, an uncle and so forth. So uh, there's not only interesting church history, but there's very interesting family dynamics that he talks about there. Um, I was talking with Kevin Burton, and he mentioned uh, going to being at the GC archives and running into Ron there when he was researching some stuff on his uh, grandfather. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that uh, that Kevin made connections there with uh, Ron toward the end and. Um, about his uh, library and research materials and so forth. I think that that speaks well for the Center for Adventist Research. 
Oh yeah, he's doing great work. In fact, he just got. He was. He texted me today. He just got um, five hundred. So he's really um, adept at doing FOIA requests of uh, FBI and CIA files, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he just did one for Ron Wyatt, uh, and uh, he's been looking at sort of the peripheral. Um, world of uh, kind of apocalyptic evangelicalism and uh, and there, there's some anti-Catholic, anti-Jesuit elements of that that Adventists really um, parroted um, mm. Mm. Uh, in the conspiracies. Anyway, th- a lot of those people had some um, problematic criminal histories and so he's working on showing the ways that we really uncritically um, brought in these uh, conspiratorial voices into yeah. the kind of Adventist popular discourse. A couple of times, Ron visited me at Andrews in my office, you know, and wanted to uh, talk to me about some of his ar- so-called archaeological exploits. <laughs> <laughs> Took a pretty dim view of. <laughs> That's great. Could you reflect just on the the import of Ron going back to, you know, seeing someone who's in graduate school pursuing, you know, a career that will, you know, really benefit them and the denomination. And he really makes this clear choice to pursue his research and uh, and it becomes a painful experience for him in relationship to his family, with the church. And he really doggedly continues on in ways that, uh, you know, others have, uh, you know, shied away from. And uh, I'm just curious if you could take us back to the 70s and, and kind of, you know, I'm sure there were some Sabbath, you know, afternoon conversations where where people were saying, you know, is he going to, is this going to get published? Is, you know, how are people going to react? What will this do to the denomination? What was that like? Well, you know, um, I, I, I identify a lot with his career because I was in graduate school at the same time that he and so many others were. And at that time, the church, although somewhat nervous about it, uh, was supportive of young people going off, usually young men, uh, to uh, graduate school with the idea that they would teach, you know, at Andrews or Loma Linda. And uh, there was a a desire on the part of denominational officials that our institutions be accredited and that we uh, have recognized standing within the academic realm and that um, um, Hamill, for instance, at, at uh, Andrews was anxious to start a doctoral program and knew that for that to happen, there needed to be some uh, some uh, well-educated uh, individuals, in various lines of research that would be of interest to the church. And so uh, for those kinds of reasons, uh, as well as his personal, I think, uh, desire to get into school. Ron was one of those people. And, uh, you know, Roy was, uh, I was. There were a lot of people who were, uh, in a sense, encouraged and then 
sponsored at least partially by by the denomination in order to uh, secure their services when they when they got through. So um, we, I think, for the most part, all came from solid conservative homes, uh, and we looked forward to serving the church and to helping the church achieve the kind of recognition that it wanted to, and looked forward to being involved in the education of uh, its members. Um, and so I, I was very uh, interested and and my mind was certainly expanded as I came to know about his research uh, on Ellen White. And nobody, at least in my experience, had really delved into a look at these important pioneers, and especially Ellen White, who was more than that, uh, at, at, the, at the context for these people. You know, we were familiar with their lives and with their productions and with their books and, and reputation in the church and so on. But to see these individuals in the context of, of American history and intellectual history at the time and so on, that that was that, that was new and, and exciting and obviously uh, very important. And um, I remember thinking at that time that that Ron wouldn't have had the problems that he had with Ellen, Ellen White if he had had a better uh, understanding of inspiration and how inspiration works. And to me, Ron clung to the traditional, uh, uncritical view of inspiration. And so, what he discovered about Ellen White made him sound more critical than was necessary, you know? And I remember having a discussion with him on that topic and saying, you know, you, you your view of inspiration is pretty outdated. I said, we, we, we know, you know, more, more about that. Well, no, he said, that's what he was taught and that's, that's what he had believed. And so, you know, I'm, I may be somewhat unfair to him then, but I, I, I had that discussion with him, and I still feel like, uh, but, but anyway, as a result of his work, he's helped many other people to come to terms with a more nuanced and sophisticated view of inspiration and how it works and so on. And so rather than it be something that uh, is uh, handed to the, to the, author or believer uh, through a vision or through direct dictation or or however one wants to, to used to, to believe it um, it's uh, uh, it's a lot more complicated you know than that and I think uh, Ellen White herself in for instance the second volume of selected messages where she deals with inspiration and how how it works and with scripture and so on um i wish that 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 had been published earlier in denominational history and been taught i think it would have saved us uh, a lot of heartache since then and uh, uh i wished that 
I remember wishing that uh, Ron would have seen that and that been part of his education. I think it would have eased, you know, uh, the burden that he had to carry. But no, I think I think that his book was uh, still a revelation to to many of us, you know, and opened up questions that needed to be answered. And rather than being afraid of it, many of us wish the denomination had been more um, willing to learn and to discuss and to um, to make it part of our growing understanding, you know, of how inspiration worked. Yeah. Uh, were you glad you were an archaeologist at the time and not a historian? <laughs> no, I was. I was, even though, as you know, archaeology is history also. And mm -hmm. so um, I had my own uh, uh, moments of revelation. <laughs> program, And uh, I remember... Uh, a heart-to-heart -heart talk that I had with my professor, Giernis Wright, um, when he said, you know, I, I know you're an Adventist, and I know that they want you to teach at Andrews and so on, and he says, and I don't want to in any way uh, uh, wreck that, but he said, this is what's important to me, that you know what the data uh, are, and that you are fair to it, that you interpret it accurately. He says, if you can do those two things, he said, uh, uh, go with my blessing and uh, do a good job at Andrews. Mm, that's great. And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a learning experience for me, too, coming out of a very conservative home and background. Uh, but it was easier as an archaeologist because um, uh, my professor uh, at that time was uh, was an Albrightian. He'd been trained by William Foxwell Albright at Hopkins. And there was this hope in the uh, 50s, 60s, that uh, archaeology was helping us to uh, understand the, the, the biblical story in its context, and that there were relationships between what we were finding uh, in the dirt with what uh, what was said in the Bible and so on. So it, it, it would be easier to be an archaeologist. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for um, kind of taking us down memory lane there back then. Um, let's switch over to uh, Fritz Guy, someone that you knew very well, you worked with, as you mentioned, 10 years, your senior. Mm -hmm. you probably spent many decades living, you know, in the same vicinity and, and right. mixing with the same folks, uh, of course, uh, working on the same campus. Right. Maybe let's start in Medius Race and go right into 1993 at mm -hmm. La Sierra University. It's recently split from Loma Linda. Fritz mm -hmm what had been a pastor at the church and mm -hmm. had come back to an academic um, role and kind of shepherded the new institution along. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved with La Sierra and how did you kind of first connect with Fritz as he was making that transition? Yeah. Well, actually in 1990, when the transition happened, when the, the, uh, the uh, independent to to independent campuses happened. Um, 
I was among various people who were considered for for president at that time, and uh, I was urged by uh, some some members of the faculty to uh, to put my hat in the ring, and uh, I said no. I was at Atlantic Union College, and, and things were going well, and I didn't feel uh, you know particularly called to it. So when when three years later, uh, when uh, Fritz decided that <clears throat> he wanted to go back to the classroom. Uh, I was approached again, and um, Fritz called me. You know, when when I became, uh, I guess, a, a candidate, um, and that I mean, it's nothing I applied for or expected, but I remember being um, uh, out on a weekend assignment and uh, when i got home jillian said um we had a call from somebody at la sierra university um you know uh, over the weekend they they want to talk to you about about being president there and uh, i said that you'd be back today and i'd tell you and so uh uh They'll, they'll call you tomorrow. I said, well, would you be willing to entertain that kind of a situation? And she said, not really. She says, I don't want to live in California. I'm very happy in New England. Um, and I said, well, there's no point in me, you know, even talking to them if that's not something you're willing to do. So that was my understanding. So I said, I will, I will call them at noon tomorrow, this would be Monday, uh, which will be nine o'clock in California, and tell them that, you know, I'm not not interested in pursuing this. Well, about 11 o'clock my time, I got a call from Jillian, and she said she, she was working for a lawyer doing title examinations. And in Massachusetts, you had to pull the books off the shelves, and, you know, there was, there was nothing online. So she said, I'm standing here in the registry of deeds and in a shaft of light. And I'm thinking about, you know, your call. And she says, you, you haven't called yet, have you? And I said, no. I said, I was going to call at noon. She said, well, I, I, I don't want you to say no. She said, because I don't want to be responsible. She says, you know, if this is the right thing or if this is something God wants us to do, I, I don't want to stand in the way. I, but I. I said, can you see yourself going then if, you know, that something happens? And she said, well, I really don't want to. But, you know, she said, talk to them. See, see, see what, how you feel about it. So when I called, uh, you know, at noon and talked to them, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Jerry Wiley who, who talked to me. Actually, he was the assistant dean of the law school at USC, and he was on the board and in the search committee. He said, uh, he said, Jim Beach, who's on the search committee, he was on the faculty, and I would like to come and talk to you in Boston about this, this job. So that sounded, you know, uh, like something we could do, wouldn't be any big commitment. So we agreed on a time, and they flew into uh, Logan Airport in Boston, and we spent the day together just talking, the three of us. And at the end of the after the at the at the end of the day, before they were to fly fly home, 
uh, Jerry said, uh, I'm going home to recommend you as, as president, you know, to the board. So I went home to Jillian and I said, you know, this thing really is serious. Um, they, it's not, they haven't invited me to come to campus and interview. They decided that they were going to recommend me, you know, so we've got to take this really seriously. Uh, and so that's when Fritz got, got a hold of me and he said, look, Larry, he says, you're the person, you know, to do this. I know you well, uh, you've got a good job at uh, AUC and uh, I would love nothing better than to turn this job over to you and please, you know, take it seriously and so forth. So um, I asked them to come to come to campus and to, you know, meet with the faculty and the Senate and and uh, uh, find out more about the job. And so Fritz uh, really strong armed me and uh, organized my time there and was very helpful in achieving a decision, a positive decision. So from the very beginning, uh, we had we had served together. He, he came to to the seminary to teach and as associate dean for seven years and all all of those seven years i was there so we were we, we worked together closely at, at andrews and even though he was in theology and i was in old testament uh, we, we we were personal friends and involved in many different initiatives um, including we were two of the three representatives who went to the first AIDS uh, or a gay camp meeting where is during the AIDS crisis. And Jim Cox was the third person. And so that that was an interesting issue there. Uh, and then we were also uh, involved in the fundamental beliefs, uh, you know, a story and getting going. He was the secretary of the committee and I, he and I were involved in you know, drafting some of the uh, statements and so forth. So, uh, and when, when that was in 1980, uh, when uh, the, the faculty was given, the seminary faculty was given the opportunity to have one candidate uh, go as a, as a delegate to the GC. And the faculty voted uh, me to be that delegate. And, in retrospect, it should have been Fritz. I mean, I, I don't know uh, why that didn't really dawn on me at the time, but uh, because the whole GC session was taken up with the discussion of these, and he, being the theologian, would have been much, much better at, uh, at participating in all the discussions and so forth. Anyway, every night, I would call him on the phone and we'd have a long discussion about what was on deck the next day and what he'd recommend and what he thought of this and what were the issues and so on. So uh, we were very closely involved in that. So many things we'd work together at the seminary. So anyway, when, when the opportunity came uh, for La Sierra, by that time I'd been at AUC uh, eight years and uh uh, Fritz was very anxious for me to come and it looked like a fun place to be and everything seemed positive. So, you know, so that's how we ended up at La Sierra. 
Um, can you just, are there some kind of, I appreciate hearing that anecdote about you talking to him every night when you were at the 1980 GC session. What about during this uh, sort of transition um, when Fritz went back to teaching, you're there as an administrator. Did you reach out to him on any kind of headaches that you had to deal with? And were there some interesting conversations that he was able to uh, help you um, tackle? Yes, uh, there were there were uh, personalities that he (laughs) warned me about, told me would be problems. And he indeed was correct. And they were they were issues that I had to deal with that he should have dealt with. <laughs> he saved them for me. <laughs> uh, and um, he, um, uh, he, he we, we talked often about uh, about his. He really had the vision for what La Sierra should become. He was he was Mr. La Sierra. What do you mean by that? Tell me what that what that what was Fritz's vision for La Sierra? Yeah, he he wanted to see it as a strong liberal arts institution that where uh, uh, students would uh, would confront uh, all all the issues of their discipline as well as as their faith and how this would relate, and he wanted people to graduate from La Sierra being uh, strong Adventists who were critical in the right sense of that word and at the top of their disciplines and go on to make important contributions, you know, for church and society. Um, he, he, uh, he had been not only president, but the chief academic officer as well during those three years that that got him to him to a little problems with some of the faculty who felt that there ought to be you know another uh, VP for for academics, but that was what Fritz was really interested in, and so he he wanted to 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 control that for the right reasons. I mean, it was part of his vision for this developing university, and he wanted to make sure that the right faculty who were well prepared. And who would share in this vision would be uh, would be there, and so he was very interested in faculty governance because of the particular situation out of which Loma Linda and La Sierra were, you know, divided, uh, and uh, there was a very different spirit on the campus at La Sierra. The faculty were very interested in being involved in faculty governance, whereas at Loma Linda, not so much. They were more interested in their professions and so forth. So um, uh, he he was the one who who founded the new La Sierra and its spirit and where it needed to be headed and so on. And uh, I felt very comfortable being part of that and caring caring on that vision and making my own contributions hopefully but still we talked to him on a regular basis you know as to what did you think of that and how, how should we go there and so forth and so we, we we had a very close relationship and i was thankful that he uh, was willing to uh, go back to the theology faculty as well as philosophy and so and he was very involved in the honors program and uh, he became a uh, an honored 
I would say, founder of the new La Sierra. Hmm. Um, was there anything that you both disagreed with each other about in those sort of transition days? I'm just, you know, I'm yeah. sure was the, I, in, that tell us a little bit about who he was. Um, you know, he was very easy to have as a predecessor. Uh, you you would think that 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 could be a problem, you know, but uh, it it wasn't. He was very respectful that I was the president and that I needed to make my own decisions. So he, to my knowledge, he never worked against me, you know, and we consulted each other often at my initiative on 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 things and advice. But I have to say that we worked hand in glove, and I I don't remember any any anything that arose to to disagreements. I think I think that there we had different views about certain faculty, um, but he, he, to my knowledge, he never you know undermined me or worked against me. He was very respectful of uh, the fact that he was no longer president and that uh, it was up to me. So it, it was a very good relationship. Yeah, there's not a lot of people who can go from being president on a campus to the role of a faculty member and, and really understand the, those, how those responsibilities differ. That's right. That's right. They are different. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, sh I'm sure there were decisions that I've made that he he might have done differently, but he never criticized me. That's great. Always was supportive. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about ideas here because he wrote Thinking Theologically. He collaborated with Brian Bull on books about uh, Genesis. And uh, I checked. Yes, there we go. Yes. Thinking theologically, and here's the three. Uh, nice. Yeah. Great. Yes. Um, uh, by the way, on the on, on those three books, I've uh, we have them all combined now into one. And Maureen Bowles reviewed it, and she likes it. Um, I know Fritz, one of his sons, has looked at it, and they're liking it. So we've been in conversation about a title for this new release i know that 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 he, both brian and fritz were thrilled that uh spectrum was interested in and willing to publish the books they they were eager that after all the hard work and putting them together that the right people would read them and they would have you know a positive effect so thank you for continuing that oh yeah um so Let's talk about his ideas. Um, I went and checked with the archives. I have every issue behind my head here. Uh -huh. And uh, his name does appear, and he's the only one that his name appears on this, the journal masthead from beginning to, uh, you know, this year. Is that so? Isn't that something? And it's, yeah, yeah, it's in three different roles. Um, uh -huh. Oh, here, I wrote them down here. In the first issue, he was listed as assistant editor. Hmm. And then five years later, at the end of uh, Cooperis's edit 
editorship. He is the associate editor. And then when it shifts, um, for the rest of the time, he's either listed as consulting editor or on the editorial board. Uh, and, um, so uh, obviously he cared about ideas and uh, he was able to really um, mentor generations of Adventists mm-hmm. to think in, in, in rigorous ways about their, their faith and about the ideas that um, can be integrated into their faith. Um, what did that mean to you as a fellow Adventist, as a fellow uh, scholar, as a fellow um, you know, Advent, uh, person who cared about how we um, kind of integrate our faith with the rest of our world. You know, to me, he, he was a model. He, he was, he was very supportive of the church. I mean, as he, as all of his friends know, he felt that uh, to be a person of faith was the right thing. And if you were going to be a person of faith, you know, you had to be a Christian. And if you were a Christian, you had to be an Adventist. And if you were an Adventist, you had to be involved with last year. That was, that was <laughs> the la crap. You know? And, and so the great I, chain of being. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, he, you know, I suppose I could say this now. I don't know that supposed to do it publicly but uh, now that both individuals are dead both both Ryan Bull and uh, and Fritz uh, Brian organized a uh, a I guess it was called the Arrowhead Society and he he said these were meetings that never happened if he was asked about them you know and uh, I would I would drive Fritz over to those meetings once a month uh, the two of us were the people from La Sierra who who were involved, and so we had plenty of times to to talk about those and to be involved in those issues. Which, uh, since Brian organized them, it had to do with issues of uh, faith and science, basically, you know. And so there there were two individuals, and Fritz and and, and Brian, who have made who who knew what the data what the evidence was, uh, who wanted to see it treated accurately and fairly and constructively and wanted to, to uh, it strengthen the Adventist mission in the world. You know, both very strong Adventists who spoke positively about the church and worked to affect change as best they could. And then the other, the other group that uh, where where Fritz and I have been in, involved all along were was the uh, Dead Prophet Society, which uh, um, he, he and and Ron, Grable, uh, uh, Jonathan Butler, and uh, and Gil Valentine, they they were already going, and so at some point along the way, they invited me to join them, and so. Uh, Fritz and I were were uh, ac- active in that group too. So those were two organizations where we uh, where we had uh, fellowship on a regular basis and talked about issues that were important to both of us. And uh, at Fritz never said anything derogatory about anyone. 
he he loved the church. He valued and appreciated the ministry of Ellen White, and he would uh, very carefully, uh, if he had something you know constructive or different to say, he would be he would be careful about the way he did that. But he he was a builder, not not a tear down, and um, uh, so so in that that role, I've he's been a good influence, and I've appreciated that spirit about him. Hmm. What drove that uh, I, uh, idea of building, of being a really constructive? I, you know, just in thinking about the his his obituary, I've got it divided up into you know obviously his education, hmm. uh, his teaching career, but the fact that he was a pastor twice uh, right. and. Left the seminary to be an associate pastor. Um, right. is, is, exactly is is kind of because th- there, if I'm not mistaken, scholar in residence. You know, he, yes, he was the, he was the first such uh, you know person to have that title, which fit him really well. Yeah, it absolutely seems to have, and he. Yeah, he was very, I was kind of crafting some language and, you know, just trying to put together someone that, you know, I had interactions with, but not anywhere near your extent. And I was literally falling into language about him being uh, very constructive of the, of institutions, of caring about the church, of lending his critical, critically informed perspective in ways that would serve the denomination yes explicitly um i'm not saying that he was a company man but he really you know he was not a bomb thrower and when he's talking about theology he's really putting that at the center of what it means to um be a good human being right his his care for um, women's ordination and nice. yeah. and you know his involvement with the Inland AIDS project and going with you to kinship that first meeting all I think drew, came out of his commitment to Adventism. Right, he wanted to see the church move into the into the world in a constructive, positive, helpful way. He felt that Adventism had some unique perspectives that would really help people uh, uh, in their daily lives, and uh, he, he he was evangelistic in that sense. Um, he believed in uh, diversity and inclusion of everybody, and wanted to recognize the gifts that everybody had, and was appalled and disappointed when the church, you know, uh, differed from that perspective. And he patiently tried through his writing and through his preaching and through his influence to make a positive difference always. Yeah. Hmm. We're getting close to the end here. Thank you so much for your time. I want to, let's go to a, a question that I've had for a while. You both were involved with uh, helping us get the, 27 fundamental beliefs. <laughs> and I'm curious, um, 
given what you've said about creeds and what you believe about the world and, and human flourishing and creativity, did you, did you, both of you ever have conversations together saying, wow, I wish we would have never gone to those meetings or I wish we would have won more arguments or um, what, how do you characterize both of your role together? Were, were you having conversations in the evening saying, you know, wow, you know, this segment of the church wants this language in there. We've got to persuade them to in, have a more open language, especially around, say, the, you know, belief number six on creation. Is, you know, is there any anecdotes or reflection that you have on that? We did, we did have those, you know, uh, first as, and the faculty, as we were, as the, the seminary faculty were drafting these documents, of course, we had it as a group there. Uh, he and I particularly had those discussions when I was representing the, the seminary at, at, um, at the GC session. And as I say, we talked every evening about it, um, but, you know, we were naive, I think both of us. We thought we were doing a set of beliefs that would be used evangelistically, that this helps people understand where most Adventists uh, uh, are on these various topics. We, we never thought that they would be used as a club on our own members. I mean, so so in a way, we felt used and abused the way things have developed. We were we were doing something positive for the church, so that people who were interested in what Adventists believe would be given the best possible uh, articulation of what those beliefs were to help persuade them as to how logical and how important and how valid they, these views were, you know? And now the church has taken them and has skewed them so that they represent the views of leadership and the most conservative and are not representative of the church at large, and then are using them as clubs to get people's assent. To be Adventist, you have to do this. So uh, it, it turned out very differently from what we expected, and we were certainly both disappointed. I mean, we worked hard, hoping that we were representing and helping the church. And as it turns out, we were used to, to do in people like us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for talking about that. Uh, just my last question then is, is, as you think of Fritz Guy, the man walking around campus, sitting on the front row of an ASRS meeting in your home, writing together, you know, what, what was it? Why did you enjoy his company? And uh, why do you appreciate so much his contribution to our community? You know, it's... To me, he's an example of what uh, every uh, good Christian, you know, should be. He knew his Bible. He knew the writings of Ellen White. He knew what his tradition was. He wanted to be a, a supportive uh, member of that group, uh, to put it in its best light possible, to encourage people to consider um, joining 
that group. Um, he 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 just loved Lassier, from which he had gotten his education and which he had come back to and helped to build it. He was proud of what happened at the university. Uh, he he started this. If he didn't start it, it was his Sabbath school class that he was very involved in, you know. And uh, when we uh, were talking about we, this class needing a name, I think it was I who suggested that we call it Fritz Guy and Friends. You know, already there was a Roy Branson uh, class over on the other campus. So I thought, you know, Fritz Guy and Friends would be a, a good camp, a good name. He was very honored and pleased with that. And he never missed, uh, you know, a Sabbath. Uh, even after moving up to Washington State, he would tune in on Sabbath by uh, by Zoom. Um, so uh, he was a vital member of the La Sierra community and uh, typified, I think, what was what's very best about Adventism. And uh, he showed, he demonstrated that you can be scholarly and um, and accurate, and uh, in, in your thinking and your theology, but at the same time, be human and inclusive and um, and evangelistic, even you know. Uh, in building a community where everybody is appreciated, everybody's involved. So he's definitely Mr. La Sierra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you so much for talking with me about him. Sure. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.